strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up. Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Let's hope I'm speaking that into existence here off the top of the Big Red Rage. Highly doubted. You know, Wolf, just for that, when I graduated college, I swore that not only would I never read another word of Shakespeare, but (laughs) I would never be the guy who quotes Shakespeare. Okay. Until now. All right. What are you going to do, Paul? King Lear, Wolf, and the famous quote from King Lear, and it goes like this, and I do quote. Nothing will come of nothing. <laughs> if you invest nothing, you will gain nothing. I love it, Bolly. And, and that brings us, and I think capsulizes, the offseason. Invest in thy offseason, NFL, so thou shalt reap a bountiful regular season <laughs> so the rest of the league doesn't say, wherefore art thou in the postseason? Wow, Bolly, you went deep right there, right off the top. Well, I saw the rookie minicamp, which we're going to talk about, and then we're going to talk to Lasita Smith, that rare six-rounder who might actually make a run at some serious playing time. Just saying, a little bit of a prediction. We'll see. We'll talk to him. I think you'll be impressed with Lasita Smith. We'll go from there. But, Wolf, this is where you know, guys put in that time that you hopefully, right? Because, once again, nothing will come of nothing unless you get your keister out there and make it happen. That's right, Bully. you got to have something. you got to have something, even if it starts with nothing. And that really is what the rookies are doing for the most part. They're starting with nothing. Because if you don't know what you're doing, Paul, it really doesn't matter. All the goodness that God has given you, all your physical abilities, your physical talent, all of it, Paul, none of it matters if you don't know what you're doing. All right? You need that roadmap. You need to master the offense. You need to be able to master the defense. You need to do that before you can actually go out and perform. You know what? I don't know if you saw on ACCardinals.com and the YouTube channel, right? But there was a Wired of Trey McBride. We're going to play a little clip. But at the very end of the full piece, Cliff Kingsbury says essentially that, Wolf. I mean, evidence of a guy who spent 10 years in an NFL locker room because Cliff Kingsbury's message was, look at how much better we were today than yesterday because everybody had that much more of a grasp of the playbook and knew what they were doing, and we were actually able to see the athleticism because guys weren't as much thinking as they were playing. And so that is part of the challenge for the rookies. And Trey McBride, the highest drafted rookie in this class in the second round, he was mic'd up at Cardinals rookie camp. And here's a clip. Here we go. Here we go. Ain't getting this ball. Man, I got a bug in my ear. You just got to tighten it down on that on follow if you're number three just because you got to get over there. Let's go. Give me that ball. Living the dream. Look at this thing, man. There's 
palm trees. <laughs> Football paradise, that's right. Come on, we gotta catch that, man. Catch the ball. It's all day. Bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. Hey, good job today, man. High energy, keep it up, man. Keep rolling. Team on three, one, two, three. About it, a montage from rookie camp, Trey McBride. You heard the football paradise. That was a reference to what Cliff Kingsbury told him over the phone when they drafted him as a kid who was from Colorado, played at Colorado State, first-team All-American. Your John Mackey Award winner is a top tight end in college ball. And uh, there he is leading the way. A little bit of leadership at rookie minicamp. Yeah, I like that, Polly. Of course, um, he is the highest pick, of course, in this year's draft, a second-rounder. Knowing that the Arizona Cardinals and Steve Kime used Marquise Brown uh, to actually absorb the 23rd pick overall in the first round. That was very nice. Um, Trey McBride, I am jacked up on, Paulie. I really am. Because what is he, 6'4", Paul, 246 pounds? Is that what he is right there, 6'4", 246? That's what he's listed at, yep. That's interesting because George Kittle's 6'4", 250. I'm just saying, Paul, I'm just saying, can you imagine right now? Uh, Trey McBride has a little something-something coming out of the side of his neck. I think his future is not as a move tight end. I think his future is as the Y. Now, he can play both right now, Paulie, and that's the great thing about it. He can play both. So if you do get Max Williams back and you do have Zach Ertz as that move tight end guy, now all of a sudden you've got a backup for either or. If something happens to Zach Ertz in a game, he gets nicked up, or maybe Max Williams, now all of a sudden you got a guy that you could plug in, and who knows, Paulie, he may actually start coming out of training camp. Think about this. He led D1 tight ends with 90 catches for over 1,100 yards receiving, right? It's pretty good, Paul. But he told the media, you're going to like this, he told the media that over 70% of his snaps in his job in college was blocking. Yes. So think about the production, (laughs) despite the fact that, according to him, more than two-thirds of the time he's on the field, he was required to block. Yes. Now, once again, you're going to have to prove it to me, Paulie. You know this. You you know how I feel about this. I was a rookie once myself. I was a rookie once myself. Um, I came in, not a lot of fanfare, Paul. (laughs) Not a lot of fanfare. As as a fullback? They didn't throw a parade for a fullback? A fourth-round fullback didn't get his own banner? It was not a lot right there, even though I was 104th overall. Taste it, Paulie. (laughs) Um, There's a flex. I'm just saying, I wasn't, yeah, I I came in, but man, I can't tell you how many other rookies I've seen come in, Paul, as a 10-year veteran in the National Football League, and man, I had scouts telling me, watch this kid, watch this kid, this kid is going to change everything, and suddenly, you know what, there was a problem, because the scout thought he was going to change the way we played football. He just couldn't play. That was the that was the problem. And I, I see, Paul, I'm sure you see the problem right there, right? Well, look, once upon a time, the Cardinals took Troy Nicholas in round two. Yes. And Man. that was a specimen. Yeah. 6'6", 250 plus. Get out of my way. And, and, and we both remember standing there in his rookie camp. Right, And he was a little banged up to start, which pretty much typified his entire career. But when he got healthy in the middle of training camp, what did he do in his first O-line, D-line drill? He stood up Darnell Dockett. Yeah. And we all said, whoa. Man. Now, obviously, his his career did not materialize. 
So I'm not making any sort of predictions here, but I am going to share what Cliff Kingsbury said he likes about his rookie tight end, Trey McBride. He's a smooth route runner. You know, we won't know until he puts the pads on. We watch the film. We love the physicality on tape, but uh, this is a different level. But as far as running routes, uh, great athlete, you know, three-sport star in high school. Um, so really has a, a ease about the way he runs routes and does things. And here's what else the head coach likes about Trey McBride. And this is according to Trey McBride, who shared with the media. We talked about this last week that Coach Kingsbury would like to disguise the offense a little bit more. And so if you have a true dual tight end like a Max Williams, a guy who comes in and isn't an automatic tell whether you're going to throw or run the football, well, you know what? More of that, more better, if you will. No doubt about it, Paulie. That is what is fantastic in regard to going to more of two tight end set. And Zach Ertz is a willing blocker. Uh, he's not a Y. He's not a Max Williams. He's not going to come off the ball and, and remove somebody forcibly against his will. But Zach Ertz is a guy that will stick his face into the fan. Um, and now maybe you've got a situation where Trey McBride could be that guy. Paulie, I just think this is the evolution that needs to happen with this offense going forward. You know my thoughts on this. I'm not saying that suddenly it's going to look like every other offense in the National Football League for the most part where they really blend the shotgun with putting quarterbacks under center. I I don't think we're going to see that dramatic of a change, but I do believe we're going to see a lot more of two tight ends, and I think we need to. And look, historically, we've seen tight ends after the first round. Over the past decade, the numbers say only nine. Only nine tight ends have been selected in the first round over the past decade. So that's usually where teams will start drafting the tight end. Now, running back, we also know that you can find a running back on day two, even day three, which brings us to Keontae Ingram, a guy who I think, beyond Trey McBride, has the best chance to get on the field right away because behind James Conner, it is wide open, and Cliff Kingsbury was asked about his six-round running back out of USC. Just the work ethic, the character, all those things, checked all the boxes, can play special teams, big physical back, and, and uh, we just felt he, he fit what we do and that role that can be your third, fourth guy that plays special teams and can come in and, and play at a high level on offense as well. All right, so Wolf, as a guy who spent a decade in a running back room, you tell me, is it realistic to think the rookie can come in and challenge a Jonathan Ward and an Eno Benjamin? Um, Yeah, Paulie, I do believe that you could come in and challenge. Will you actually win the spot? I, I don't know about that. But it was interesting to hear Cliff Kingsbury say, that third or fourth spot wasn't it Paul he did say that it was yes. a third or fourth Paulie it wasn't the second spot it was that third or fourth you know what I like that but is yeah, it in that's... deference to the guys to Eno and Jonathan Ward oh without a right. shadow of a doubt yeah you yeah. know what hey listen Rook you're gonna have to come in and you're gonna have to prove it that's what I love right there Cliff Kingsbury giving the rookie a little sugar giving him some acknowledgement yet at the same time letting him know hey man we're talking about third or fourth here. <laughs> you know, I love that. That's great. That's the way it should be. Make them earn it. By the way, it's prove it every day. Oh, That's what the t-shirt no, always says. Prove it. Not one time, but every day. Just prove it, Polly. That's all like, we need right there. It implies every day. Episode 30 of the Dave Pash Podcast featuring Cardinals defensive end J.J. Watt. Available now to catch up on all the episodes. Follow the Dave Pash Podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at PashPod. In fact, we'll hear from J.J. Watt a little bit later in this edition of the Big Red Rage. But this is going to star Lasita Smith. 
year six-rounder out of Virginia Tech. Uh, we heard what Quentin Harris said about him. Called him a steal. Pro Football <laughs> Focus called him, quote, a steal. Now you'll hear from the six-rounder yourself, right? A big guy with a nasty attitude, so that's a good start. And he is next. Lasita Smith on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Chaw. So that was the Cardinals pick live from Mexico City. Yes, international. It was being back to Las Vegas, where, of course, the draft was being conducted. After the decision was made from the Cardinals' war room and phoned in from Tempe, which is where we are now, the Dignity Health Training Center, the Arizona Cardinals, and right in front of us, in person, is Lasita Smith, all six foot three, three hundred fourteen pounds of him, and right off the top, did you ever think your pick would come from south of the border? No, sir. I actually <laughs> did not think it was going to happen like that, but I'm very glad it did, and I'm very glad I'm here. And I'm glad they got your name right. And I am pronouncing it right, correctly? Yes, sir. You are. Because he is a guy whose last name is seven letters, and it gets butchered all the time. You know, how often do people screw up Lasitas? All the time. And I tell you what, I get the most anxiety when you know i was in grade school and we have a substitute teacher because i know that teacher does not know how to pronounce it and sure. more than likely is going to say it wrong and then now i got the whole class making jokes and stuff so what's the most common mispronunciation in, over the years uh i think lasitis lasitis okay. or, or or no uh lecitis <laughs> i get that a good bit lecitis i get that that sounds bit. biblical almost lecitis yes, like you sir. know that's uh, uh so okay what's it been like i mean you've been in the nfl now ever since your name was called right two three weeks right what sort of whirlwind has your life been like um it's actually been very very cool um it's been an eye-opening experience um you know being on the outside of the nfl you, it, it just kind of seems like oh there's this huge uproar within the NFL um, from fans and stuff like that when a draft comes around, and the next thing you know, boom, it's time to play preseason games and it's time for the season. But I'm um, actually being a part of it. You get, I get to see day by day what our professional athletes have to go through um, as far as you know, being in that playbook all the time, making sure you're where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, making sure you're doing all the right things, making all the right calls and the right checks. You know, so um, it's actually really cool to be. Um, behind the scenes and see how everything works. I'm, like I said, glad to be here. By the way, take us behind the scenes on draft day. What was the phone call like on your end? We heard the call in Cardinals flight plan, and you were adamant when you were talking to the GM, Steve Kime, and, and I'm looking to the quote here. You were saying, I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready, quote, unquote. So what was it like on your end? It was actually it was it was very cool once I actually got the call because um trust me, once that sixth round came around and I'm sitting back and I see some you know, guys going ahead of me, I'm like, Oh my god, I may go undrafted. Like I I was sitting there and I'm like, Oh man, how is this gonna happen? This is so crazy. But um at the end of the day it did happen. Um and when it did I was really at shock. Um I did not think it was gonna be Arizona. Like I said, I'm very glad it was. Um I'm happy to be here and being coached by Coach Kugler, you know, and some of those other uh, coaches, even the special teams coaches. Um but like I said, I'm 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 glad it happened. I'm glad it happened here. 
But it, yeah, it was it was definitely shock. It was shock. Our guest, Lasita Smith, Cardinals' uh, sixth round pick out of Virginia Tech. What are you most curious to find out about the NFL? I'm actually curious about what it's like when camp comes around, and now you actually get on the field with the big dogs, um, because we've had rookie mini camp, which is a three-day camp for uh, us younger guys. The older guys weren't even in town, and now we have some of the older guys, but the OG veterans aren't even here yet. So uh, you still have guys like Beecham and and Kyler Murray and just guys you know who you know still aren't here yet who I have yet to meet. So when when those guys get into town, I know it's it's on. Take me to Cardinals training camp. Have you had the thought there's going to be an O line D line drill, full pads, full contact, and there's a chance that I could line up in a three point stance and I'm staring straight across at 99 JJ Watt. That's going to be a welcome to the NFL moment, won't it? Yes, I think it will be. I'm going to pray that it won't. I'm going to pray that, it, you know, he doesn't teach me a lesson um, right there and, the, you know, right after that point. But um, I'm going to definitely try to hold my own. I mean, the guy is definitely a legend, undoubtedly a Hall of Famer. So, I mean, I hope he can teach me a thing or two from that rep or those reps I, I take against him. But it's definitely like I'm going to be standing across looking like, oh, my God, I'm about to take a rep from J.J. Wise. It's, it's going to be crazy. Hey, J- look, D.J. Humphreys has been there many times going against Chandler Jones, the Cardinals starting left tackle. And he's told us in this very show how much better Chandler Jones made him as a young guy. And he knew if he could hold his own against Chandler Jones, he was ready to go for the regular season. He was ready to go for the rest of the schedule. And look, I'm not saying you're not capable. I mean, there's been a lot of praise when it comes to you and your career at Virginia Tech. In fact, the VP of Player Personnel, Quentin Harris, was on the Pash Pod recently, and he was asked, okay, by Dave, you know, give us a guy from day two or day three in this Cardinals draft class that stands out to you. I really like uh, Lasita Smith, our guard we took out of Virginia Tech. This guy is athletic. Uh, he's an excellent puller. He's tough. He's physical. And a lot of times, you know, you watch NFL linemen and you're like, eh, he's tough. He's strong, but he's slow-footed. This guy is everything. He was a steal, in my opinion, for us. He went on to say that he also likes your temperament. And when I looked at one of the scouting reports on you, I think it was NFL.com, one of the things they listed first was plays with an attitude. True or false? Very true. Very true. And what does that mean? Translate that. The way I think about it is, um, you know, once it's time to step in between those white lines and, you know, I'm biting down on my mouthpiece and I'm ready to go where there's a run play. Hopefully it's a run play. You know, offensive linemen love run plays. <laughs> Hopefully it's a run play. And like I said, I'm, I'm I'm ready to go, whether it's a double team or I'm working alone against a three technique or whatever it may be. Um, it'll be me against that other guy. And me trying to finish him. Not only to do my job, but do it very well to the point where I finish him and he can't affect the play whatsoever. Um, that's just kind of the mentality I have. At the end of the day, just make sure my man does not affect the play. And I think that if every, you know, all five guys up front had that mentality, we can definitely uh, run for a lot of yards, which, I mean, the Cardinals do that every year anyway, so it won't be nothing new for them. And if you finish that play, are you vocal about it? Are you a trash talker? You know what? Surprisingly, no. Some people may think I am, especially with the uh, the nastiness I play with, but no. And that's for two reasons. Uh, for one, I'm not a very good trash talker. Uh, for two, it usually backfires. So I don't want to, you know, get to mouthing off at a guy and then he makes a play and I'm like, oh, dang it, I should have never said what I just said. Like, <laughs> you know, so those are really the two reasons that I don't, you know, I may get 
really, I guess, into it or filled with adrenaline to where I finish a guy and I get up and I'm just, I'm grunting. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. But nine times out of ten, I don't really go off at a guy. I don't get to mouth another guy. We're on board with Lasita Smith, Cardinals rookie O-lineman out of Virginia Tech. All right, so this is what I find interesting is that Steve Keim talked about how powerful you are as a run blocker, said you're a great pulling guard playing in space as well. We'll get to that in a moment. But in the same Sky Report on NFL.com, it said that you're better in pass protection than as a run blocker. But when you were asked for your strengths with the media, you said, I pack a punch in the run game and I come off the ball with a lot of power. So were there scouting reports out there that you sort of shook your head at during the process and wait a minute, where are they getting this? Or do you feel like you have to dispel anything that was out there pre-draft? Yes, sir. Um, crazy enough, I did see at one point that, or I heard at one point that some teams were concerned with my weight, that I may have a weight problem. I never had a weight problem, ever. Um, As a former tight end, I find that surprising that you'd have a weight problem. Exactly. You play at 314 or so? Yes. Okay. So I don't know where they get that from. Um, What's funny is even going into my last season at Virginia Tech, my fifth year at Virginia Tech, um, I've seen a lot of articles that stated that I was pretty good in the run game, but um, talking about my lack of, I guess, ability in the passing game. So that was something I focused on that last season at Virginia Tech. And that's why I think coming out, there were a few teams that touched on, or just a few reports that touched on the fact that, you know, I looked pretty good in the passing game. That was something I really wanted to get better at so people didn't think I was a guy that was just going to be really good in the run scheme and a problem in the passing game. How much weight did you have to gain to go from tight end to O-line? Um, I think I put on about... 55 to 60 pounds because I was 260 pounds and I ended up at 315. How did you do that? Uh, you know, when I first got to Virginia <laughs> Tech, um, when I first got there, I was a tight end. They kind of gave me that option to, you know, they tried me out at tight end and they were going to see how it worked out. So I was on a treadmill every day, even after work, I was getting extra runs and just, you know, when we go to the dining hall and I'm going with, you know, my class, my, my um, the class that I came in with, some of the guys, we go there and I'm eating a salad. Everybody else has chicken and other things, and I'm eating the salad. So when that switch actually happened, I was pretty happy about it. I embraced it. So, you know, I was able to sit at the table with the offensive line and with the big dogs and eat steak and shrimp and the whole nine and, you know, didn't have to feel bad about it. I was able to get that weight up. It didn't, it wasn't very hard for me. Yeah, sounds like you enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Well, Cedar Smith, our guest, Cardinals rookie offensive lineman. Uh, you still have the hands, by the way, as a former tight end? I mean, could you be like a goal line option and, and sort of a you know a jumbo package? Without a doubt. Without a Simeon <laughs> any route, I'm routing anybody up. The hands are still there. See, that's how you team up with J.J. Watt, because he was part of the megawatt package last year in a goal line deal, and he, I think he has three touchdown catches in his career. So <laughs> the two of you might be a good combo this sure. year. Let's see this on that. How about off the field? Give us a scouting report, because speaking of eating, uh, you're rumored to have a YouTube cooking show? Yes, sir, I do. Me and my <laughs> girlfriend, Heaven. Um, so we actually started the channel during COVID, we were stuck in the house like everybody was, didn't have much to do, couldn't really get out like we want to. Um, so after, you know, I wake up every morning, of course, I get my, my, my workout in. We probably do some cardio, go on a hike or something. Then after that, we're just back at the house. So, um, you know, we she kind of came up with the idea. What if we start a YouTube channel? So it kind of started off with funny, uh, just little funny vids and stuff like that. But, yes, I do love to cook. Um, I 
believe we did upload a cooking video on there. She actually wanted to do one before I left to come here because she's back in Blacksburg, but um, we didn't get around to that. But we will soon. We do you have a soon. specialty? Do you have a spe- because the O line has an annual cookoff led by the head coach or the O line coach Sean Kugler, right? And and he fashions himself as a foodie. And also the owner, Michael Bidwell, has been has come in as a judge. And I think DJ Humphreys is a reigning champion, by the way, the left tackle. But if you were to give him a run, what dish would you prepare? Um, I think I, I have a, a pretty good recipe for pork chops. So I definitely do uh, pork chops with a side of, uh, with a side of white rice. Uh, I may go with either baked broccoli or baked asparagus. One of the two. But it's really, really good. That's good. Really good. By the way, what as, as you might guess, I've never played offensive line over here, okay? Pauly Pencilneck, okay? So what is the best thing and the worst thing about being a big guy? All you guys in the old line room, right, and you're in the 99th percentile of the world in terms of size, what's something that's really good about being big, and what is something that just stinks about being a big guy? Mm. <laughs> Am I putting you on the spot with that question, Lasitas? Uh No, not exactly. <laughs> but something good about being a big guy – is um especially playing football i mean you're usually rolling guys off the ball you're a guy that when it's time to lift you don't have to go on the rack with the smaller guys and the skill guys and you know do the little weights you you get to lift with the big guys or the big dogs um something that sucks uh plane just, travel like a coach ticket that's got to be a drag oh my goodness that's a great one i wasn't even thinking that that's a really outside the box one that's see for really me every one. seat is a first class seat that's great you know because i have plenty of room but a guy like you that man that's got to be misery right yes sir it is <laughs> yes sir all right so last thing for lasita smith here is wrap it up on the big red rage uh you heard the word steal that was quentin harris pro football focus had you as the eighth best interior old lineman in the entire draft they called you quote a steal for Arizona. Do you feel like you're a steal for this team? I mean, that's something I never really thought about. Um, I do feel like I'm pretty good at what I do, but at the same time, it's kind of weird to say only because all I've done was at the college level. So I can't say I'm good at what I did at the college level is all I'm trying to say. Haven't made my mark, haven't did a thing in the NFL, so I can't sit up here and say, oh, I'm this and that guard or you know interior offensive lineman in the nfl and i'm this and that good i, I can't speak on that what i can't say i was is i'll go out here every single day with my guys with my teammates gain their trust um and give them all every single practice and strive to be the best player i can be um so as far as i still some i never really thought about but at the end of the day i do want to be the very best i can be that is a great answer we appreciated everything here thank you and uh good luck going forward here yes sir thank you very much okay there you go lasita smith will come back and continue with a big red rage presented by santan four and gilbert give to henry hit in the backfield by jj watt who got off a block and drags him down knocked down incomplete it's jj watt got his hands up he fumbles the ball it's loose on the far side another takeaway jj watt forced the fumble leveled in the backfield by jj watt jj watt gets the penetration right at the point of attack hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss jj watts 
Nailed him at the 18-yard line. Mitchell running straight ahead, gets dropped for a loss. J.J. Watt in the backfield with the takedown. Penetration on the backside. That is J.J. Watt, baby. Tip incomplete. It was Tip, and it was J.J. Watt who got it. And the Cardinals stop him on fourth down again. When healthy. J.J. Watt was a playmaker. He was a difference maker over the first half of last season for the Arizona Cardinals. And not only on the field, but on the sideline as well. I can tell you that much. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We'll get to J.J. Watt, some of his comments to Dave Pash on the Pash Podcast. But we brought up J.J. Watt with Lasita Smith-Wolf, the six-round rookie offensive lineman. He said, yeah, that's going to be a welcome to the NFL moment if he has to square off against 99 and O-line, D-line drill and training camp but what else struck you about the interview with Lasitas? Boy Polly, that is a great question because honestly you know I think he's a square dude and when I say a square dude I mean literally square and I also think he's squared away he is a square dude Paul 6'3", 314 pounds man you look at him his shoulders, his hips his butt, everything <laughs> lines up where he is a square guy but also Polly, I have to tell you man the the articulation, how articulate he was, um, intelligent, yep. confident. Man, I'll tell you what, Paulie, he sounds like one of those classic offensive linemen. But his temperament is something that really is something that is very intriguing as well because I want to see him brawl. And when I say brawl, I don't mean get into a fight. I mean go out there and try to forcibly remove somebody from the line of scrimmage because... According to Lucidus, that's what he does, and that's who he is. In fact, his answer, I said, you know, these scatter reports say you play with an attitude, true or false. He said true, very true. Very true. (laughs) (laughs) If you you go on YouTube and you look for some of the mic'd up Virginia Tech stuff, you will get a sense of just how intense he is. As articulate and thoughtful as he was in that interview, man, he does flip a switch between the white lines. And what I loved about that, Paulie, was just the fact he said he wasn't a good trash talker. (laughs) He wasn't good so he doesn't do it. You know that, man, that is an offensive lineman for the most part. That is a wise thing to do. You can have that temperament. Just don't open your mouth. There's nothing wrong with wanting to drive somebody into the ground and lay on top of them and slime block them after the play is over. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Just don't anger your opponent. (laughs) Don't trash talk them. A lot of offensive linemen, I'm telling you, Paul, I would say maybe 10%, 10 of the offensive linemen I have played with in 10 years were trash talkers. Mm. The vast majority, they stay silent. Well, look, he's also smart enough to know that as a rookie, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So he, he wasn't making any proclamations. In fact, he said it. He, he said he'll know it's it's on when the big dogs come into camp, when the veterans, when the J.J. Watts, the Kelvin Beachams, the D.J. Humphreys, when those guys show up. Although he did say, went about his hands, he said, I still have the hands as a former tight end. So he, that, was, <laughs> that was the only boast we really got out of him was on the hands. So yeah, I, uh, I thought well, that was great too, Paulie. Yeah. That's funny. But uh, anyway, speaking of J.J. Watt, you want great, just cue up the Dave Pash podcast, take a listen, and you talk about young guys. The last two first-round picks for the Arizona Cardinals, Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins, we know how key and central they are to the Cardinals' defense and the Cardinals' success overall this year. And J.J. Watt was asked, just okay, how can they excel? 
Um, I think it's all about time you put in, and I think it's about repetition and just consistency. I think that the more time that you're able to commit to the job and that you're able to learn and grow and the more time that you have to learn the playbook and the plays and see as many looks as possible, whether it's walkthroughs, whether it's practice, whether it's off-season program, training camp, whatever it may be, and being able to do those things over and over and over again, that's when you really get good. I think that uh, having an off-season program is going to help them a lot because we haven't had one a true off-season program for a few years, especially since they've been in the league. It is a legitimate question, though, isn't it, Wolf? Especially as Zayvon Collins is concerned, is that Mike Linebacker replacing Jordan Hicks? Yeah, no, it's a huge, huge um, issue, I would say, going into training camp. One of the things that we're going to be watching very, very closely, the development of Zayvon Collins. But you heard J.J. Watt right at the end, Paulie. He's exactly on top of this thing. It's not a surprise because having an offseason where you've got Isaiah Simmons now who can actually get out on the the field and go through his his reps and get his reps and go through the playbook and totally continue to grow. And Zayvon Collins in particular, as a Mike linebacker, a guy that is probably going to be wearing the green dot, I would imagine. This, to me, is imperative. This offseason is just as important as the season Zayvon Collins just went through for his development. And then there's Kyler Murray. And, of course, J.J. Watt was asked about the development of the Cardinals franchise quarterback and how he takes the next step. Here's J.J. Watt with Dave Pash. He's done it. He's played at an extremely high level. I think it's just obviously we need to finish out a season better. But that's not on just him. That's on all of us. I think that it's being able to take us to where we need to go from a playoff standpoint and to to go win a Super Bowl. And Every year in the league you get better, you mature, you have – you learn the game, you play differently year to year because you have more knowledge base, you have more experience, you, you're, you're mature and wiser. So I'm looking forward to seeing his progress and looking forward to seeing the step that he takes this season. That's what I want to continue to see from Kyler Murray, Polly. I don't know about you, but I think we'd all agree that his rookie year to his second year, he got better. Yep. There's no doubt. His second year to his third year, he got better. I want to see him continue. You know, you're talking about a guy that has been to two Pro Bowls, but I still believe he can be better. He's not a finished product. He's nowhere near it. He can be better with the intangibles. He can get better as a leader. He, He can get better in terms of preparing to go out and play a game. Even though he's got this wild talent, this incredible talent, the most improvement right now for Kyla Murray comes in between the years. You know, on Cardinals Underground, the podcast this week, Wolf, I threw out a comparison. I said, you know what the Cincinnati Bengals culture was in making a Super Bowl run? It was Joe Burrow. Yeah. Joe Burrow was the culture. And to me, that's the next step for Kyler. Now, it's a tall task, but if you're going to be a $40 million a year quarterback, guess what? It's in your job description. Yeah. You have to be the culture, the guy who leads all the other guys who are not the franchise quarterback and that and you know what you might be missing your marquee wide receiver in deandre hopkins like you were the last half of last season and like you're going to miss him for the first six games of this season and you're gonna have to figure that out because you know what the aaron Rodgers of the world they make no-name receivers into playmakers and that's how you win games and so cliff kingsbury for the first time when it comes to deandre hopkins meeting the media after the draft and after the rookie minicamp and he was asked okay uh your plans on offense dealing with d hop and his suspension marquise will help i mean he's a, a dynamic playmaker and 
we just have to play better as an offense. It's unfortunate that he won't be available, but um, I'm excited when we get him back. We, we've struggled the second half of the season, and, and you know when we get him back, I think that'll be a real shot in the arm for that back half, and I know we'll get his best. How scared are you? Simply put, the last we saw the Cardinals offense minus D-Hop, there wasn't a lot to write home about. It was a much different offense. What's your expectation the first six games of this season? Yeah, you know what, Paulie? Um, I should be scared. <laughs> I should, but I'm not. I, I, I'm not. And the reason being is because I believe there's going to be a paradigm shift, once again, in rundown situation. I think there's going to be more two tight ends. I don't think there's going to be... Listen, if if the Cardinals suddenly start trying to run more wide receivers onto the field after losing their best wide receiver, I think you've got an issue. But if they go ahead, Paulie, and start running out some two tight ends, a little bit more two tight ends in rundown situation, which is first and ten, second and one to six, I really think this is going to help them develop their base offense so that when you get D-Hop coming back, he can just go ahead and improve it. And you'll get him back there in week seven. You'll get him on a short week Thursday night football against the Saints. So he's not even going to have a real practice to go through. Although if there's any player in NFL history who can excel without practice, it's got to be DeAndre Hopkins, right? So no uh, the uh, And look, um, maybe, and we'll find out during training camp because he's eligible all the way through the month of August and the preseason we'll figure out what plan he has. If you remember Patrick Peterson would simulate game days every Sunday those first six that he missed he'd go out and do his own three hour workout and simulate a game day so we'll see and speaking of game days Arizona Cardinals season tickets available now at azcardinals.com slash season for all the information that's azcardinals.com slash season. All right, we'll come back and we'll continue. In fact, speaking of that schedule, what's ahead? And there was an announcement today regarding the Cardinals schedule, all that and more next. The Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Here's a little story about Patrick Mahomes. I did his first game that he started. We do that production meeting. I'm talking to Andy Reid, and he says the, the thing that surprised me the most is that Patrick Mahomes has a photographic memory. Like, I can tell him something, you know, in training camp week one, and he'll remember it in week 15. Wow. You know, and when you combine his athletic wow. ability, his ability to throw the ball, how pretty that ball is, his ability to escape and throw at different angles, and then you combine that with his mind that can have this recall like a Tom Brady. Sure. Now you know why he can be so good, and you think about the future and what he could do. That was two years ago. That's Jay Feely, former Cardinals kicker, now CBS Network analyst on Patrick Mahomes and his conversation with Andy Reid. Reminds you Andrew Luck, who supposedly that Stanford big brain had uh, photographic memory as well. And uh, that is apt, that little clip right there, Ron Wolfley, as we continue and wrap up this edition of the Big Red Rage brought to you by Santan Ford and Gilbert because the Arizona Cardinals open with... Patrick Mahomes in the Kansas City Chiefs. In fact, let's just get right to it. Cliff Kingsbury was asked about week one against his former Texas Tech quarterback. Yeah, I was really thankful to the schedule makers for giving us a young quarterback that hadn't quite found his way in the league just yet. You know, still trying to figure it out. So, um, no, it's it'll be fun. He sent me like the little eye emoji before it even came out. Um, 
So he'll be revved up. We'll definitely have some Texas Tech fans tuning into that one, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that former, you know, that Patrick Mahomes guy, former Super Bowl champion, former MVP, you yeah. know, the, the team that's hosted the last four AFC championship games, those Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, you know what, Paulie? It's going to be really interesting, though. If, in fact, I had my druthers, if you told me, okay, you're going to play the Kansas City Chiefs, Wolf, when would you like to play the Kansas City Chiefs? I'd say week one of the NFL season. Really? Week one. Yes, indeed, Paulie. And the reason being is, especially when you're dealing with an offense that is going to be trying to find itself without Tyreek Hill, I will say week one, please, because I really do believe without Tyreek Hill, they're going to have to find a different way to play football offensively, even with Patrick Mahomes. I think Tyreek Hill is one of these rare, rare individuals, Paulie, that impacts the defense on every play that he's in the game, every play, even when he doesn't have the ball. That's a big deal, and you've got to learn how to play differently without Tyreek Hill. I'm not going to disagree with that. A few years ago when the Cardinals went to Kansas City, every time Tyreek Hill would go in motion, the entire defense, the front seven and beyond, would lose their mind. Everyone would start pointing at him, okay, and everything would change accordingly. You're absolutely right on that. My hesitation or apprehension is that the Cardinals offense will be trying to find itself minus D-hop in week one. Yeah, and that's a possibility. It's a daunting challenge. That's a possibility, Paulie. But go back and start looking over the last couple of years at some of the upsets that happen in week one of the NFL season. Why is that? I think, listen, if you're going to jump a team, if you're going to surprise a team, that's the best time to actually do it. And you know what? That's a great point because maybe the best example was the Cardinals' week one jack stomping at Tennessee last year. There it is, Paulie. How many people gave the Arizona Cardinals a chance of going in and beating the Tennessee Titans? So that's Not the good a lot. News. Yeah, that's the good news. The bad news is you open with Kansas City, then you go to the playoff Raiders, who now have Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones, and then you have the Super Bowl champion Rams at home. Those are your first three games. And remember the recent historic stat that teams that start 0-2 make the playoffs less than 10% of the time. <laughs> Can you so, feel that, yeah. buddy? Huh? <laughs> now, right, now, as as for primetime, uh, the Cardinals have four. Four games in primetime, and uh, you know three of them are at home. The fourth one is technically a home game. It's in Mexico City against the 49ers. Cliff Kingsbury asked about the primetime slate. It's awesome. I mean, you can't ask for, a, to me, a better setup when you look at some of those games. First one, get a team like the Chiefs to see where you're at. Uh, play Bill Belichick on Monday night play Tom Brady on Christmas. I mean, there's some some big-time games. Go to Mexico City, play a rival. I mean, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And um, AFC West, you know, lining up with them this year with getting Russell is, is a challenge. But anytime you look at an NFL schedule, it's, it's not like you can go down and pick up a bunch of wins. You know, they're all tough, and everybody's facing kind of the same deal. See, and the good news to me, Wolf, is those are all home games except Mexico City. Yeah. And so you don't have the dreaded you play at night and then you get home in the middle of the night and then it jacks up the next week's schedule. Those games, especially that Thursday night game at home, that's something J.J. Watt cited. Yeah, no, I think it's really, really cool the way that it sets up for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, again, you know, and I don't care how many nationally televised games they play. I really don't. It doesn't impact us, I don't think, in any way, shape, or form. But I love the fact that Week 7, they have 
have that mini buy against New Orleans on Thursday night, and they're doing it at home. That's a big deal to have that mini buy after the first third of the season, roughly third of the season, and then two thirds of the season through at least you get the bye week at week 13. That to me, Paul, that's another good break right there. Listen, if the Cardinals are good, you're going to love the fact they have the bye that late in the season if they're good. And that's the hope they're going to be good because hopefully that'll give them a little boost getting ready to make that playoff run. By the way, the Saints at home on Thursday night, that's the first primetime game, the game you cited there. How are the Saints signing anybody? Didn't we start this offseason with the Saints being $70 million plus over the cap, and now all of a sudden they're signing Tyron Matthew to big money yeah. and Jarvis Landry to big money? I, I just, I, you know, Sean Payton, I thought, left because they were in cap hell, and all of a sudden the Saints are making it happen. So I'm not saying the NFL should investigate, but somebody's cooking the books down there in the Big Easy. Yeah, not only that, Paulie. I mean, they haven't made all their cuts yet either. So <laughs> hold on to that because yeah. I'm sure there's going to be some type of justification coming to that roster. By the way, Cardinals single game tickets available now. EasyCardinals.com slash tickets to secure your seats today. And the preseason slate was finalized today. Go to EasyCardinals.com and you can see the dates and times. I'll just sum it up for you. You have game one and game three on the road at Cincinnati, at Tennessee. Both those are going to be on 12 News. In other words, Ron Wolfley will go viral. Oh, okay. No. The rest of the nation will be like, uh, who's the guy with all the energy and the wrestling voice? So that's what will happen there. And then the Baltimore home game, the middle preseason game, is actually going to be on Fox, nationally televised. How about that? Wow. So, all right, like for, it, G- for Jim Omondra and Cody Fincher, for Lasita Smith, our oh, special guest. Oh, Lasita and Ron Wolfley on Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. John. Number one, Kyler Murray. You've been listening to the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.